and we are officially live. What's going on, man? Brother JD, I'm excited. It is Wednesday night. What's going on, everybody that's watching us over here on YouTube and TikTok? It is our Wednesday episode, 9 p.m. Central here on uh, the True Christian Ministry uh, YouTube channel. We are also live on TikTok, as always. Um, and for the people that are watching on TikTok, uh, you can't comment. You can't see what's happening on screen. Uh, so if you want to participate in the conversation, make sure you jump over to YouTube. Link is in the bio. Uh, and then for everybody here watching on YouTube, guys, I, I'm excited for tonight. Um, but before we dive into that, uh, let me move my microphone as I just realized it's right in my face. Uh, what's up, JD? What's going on, bro? <laughs> what's happening, my brother, Bear? Good to see you. Good to see everybody in the chat. Good to see the awesome reaction. And people, oh, man, that looks so good. That looks so yeah. good. You're going to mount that behind you. Yeah. yeah. I told my wife we're going to throw the whole bookshelf away and just put it right there. <laughs> So, the Boom, green bro. screen on TikTok is covering it up so they don't know what I'm hugging. I could be hugging anything right now. Um, yeah, that looks so good, man. That looks so good. Praise the Lord. Welcome, uh, welcome, family, YouTube family, TikTok family. Good to see you all tonight. Is the night we're gonna go go into a blind reaction and dive into the Trinity, the Triune God, which is obviously one of our favorite subjects to cover. Um, and again, essential to Christian doctrine. Absolutely essential. We've heard so many people say, "Is it a salvific issue?" One thousand percent yes uh, the triune god is is who he says he is amen uh, so welcome everybody that's if you knew um in the chat please like and subscribe um and also remember that you can always go back and watch this again later so share it with your friends your family anyone who's got a problem with the triune god of scripture please get that out get that out to them because this is an important episode Mike, my brother, let's get it. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, as JD said, uh, it, it's super important because here's the thing. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Trinity throughout this reaction. And then after the reaction, we're probably going to dive into, you know, some more deep study. And here's the thing. I, we, we are not making this up. We have no idea her stance, right? We might be going into something where she describes the Trinity. Great. Or we might be going into something with a little bit of error. Or might be going into something that's just straight up wrong. Um, we want to make a couple things clear. We don't pretend to know everything. He's on that side. We don't pretend to know everything. And we understand that the Trinity is impossible to fully fathom. So we're not coming into this acting like we know we're right. We know you're wrong. However, there are truths about who God is that are undeniable and declared in the scripture. In which we cannot and will not uh, bend to make us more comfortable with what we mm. better comprehend. At the mm. end of the day, we must understand that God is a higher being than us, that we are made in his image, <clears throat> but an image is not the same as that thing. For example, you can have a puzzle that, you know, you, you know, you can get a customized puzzle and it can be in the image of something. It's still just a puzzle. Like it's not the real thing. We're in his image because we represent him. We, we're not the same as him. In fact, I always tell people this when people deny the Trinity these Christians out there that deny the Trinity, JD, here's what blows my mind. They will admit that God is greater than us in every aspect, yeah. in, in abilities, in, in weight, size, matter, everything there is. He's just bigger than us, right? Physical, spiritual, whatever, bigger than us. But yet when it comes to his mere existence, they reject the idea that he's bigger than us. He's got to be yeah. like me. I only exist as one person and one being. Therefore, God cannot be beyond that. 
as if a higher dimensional being is something we could even fix our lips to pretend we fathom. Right. So let's exactly. trust God at how he how how he yeah. presents himself rather than us trying to guess because what makes us comfortable in our finite flesh. So with that being said, I don't even have my Bible app open. Let me go ahead and get the Bible app uh, on screen and, and I'll hide it while we do the video. Um, yeah. And while you're doing that, again, we 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 see in one instance, and this is this is what we see with a lot of people. In one instance, Jesus Christ says to us, He will send us the Comforter. We see that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. In another passage, we see Paul say that Christ lives in us. Again, this does this mean that we have the Holy Spirit living us in us at some point, and then we have Christ living in us at another point? No. This again confirms the triunity of God, the triune nature of God. That, that Christ dwells within us, referring to his Holy Spirit. So we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And again, this is, again, the Greek term usia. Usia, which is the essence, God's essence, God's true essence. He is one God, as Deuteronomy 6, 4 says. One God, one essence. And the Son is begotten of that essence, which means that he is homoousius, which means he isn't a separate being, but a separate person of the same being. So this is this is why a lot of people get tripped up. Again, it is it is not a, a, a simple subject to wrap your head around, but it is an essential subject that you cannot deny. So I've seen a lot of people deny the Trinity and take on the modalist view simply because they cannot fathom or understand the Trinity. Again, we're not telling everybody to fully understand it, but we are telling you that you cannot deny it. So hopefully that brings some clarity to everybody watching. Yeah, and I'm just, so I already know what kind of scriptures I need to have pulled up uh, for when we do go to scripture. So if you notice me over here just opening a bunch of things, I've already, when, I, when, when it comes to Trinity discussions, we're not, we're not new to that, right? So there's some areas of scripture that we might, we might not be as strong in, but uh, Trinity is probably one of the things I feel uh, confident enough in that I could literally walk into a debate and handle my own. I might not be able to really, you know, do it uh, off the cuff, like perfectly, but I can handle my own. But all right, guys, yeah. um, let's go ahead and dive into this uh, uh, and see what this person said that caused several people to tag me. I think it was like 15 people that tagged me in one day on this. So, um, all right. Let's do it. Their name, God. All right, let me pause it and bring it back to the beginning. Uh, for those listening on Spotify, uh, as many of you know, this will be available on Spotify tomorrow or at the uh, uh, hopefully tomorrow. But um, for those of you listening, we are watching a TikTok video uh, by a young woman named China who is an ex-Disney Disney star. Um, I know that she recently has been very outspoken about her Christian faith. Um, <clears throat> so she recently put this video out about the Trinity. So you can't see it, but you can hear it. So I just wanted to give you that little uh, uh, FYI as you're listening in. God is made up of three distinct persons that co-God together, each hold the title of God in front of their name. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So by the way, we are going to be pausing this a lot. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, right off the rip, <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to get a sense if she's declaring what people define the Trinity as, or if she is uh, uh, defining what she's saying about it. 
Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I'm, I'm not sure yet. But what she has said so far, uh, as long as I didn't mishear anything, is an accurate portrayal of what we believe. And in fact, I have this book next to me. I want to just read the death how how James Dr. James White in the book Forgotten Trinity how he defines the Trinity. Because what she just said is good, but I want to just add a little bit to that as we dive into her video. Um, because I believe that it's important uh, that we have a proper definition before we discuss it. Because one thing you yeah. realize, J.D., people will argue about the Trinity before they define their terms. Right? I believe yeah. it's, uh, uh, I mean, this is debate 101. Whenever you're having a discussion, you need to define terms. How do you define those words? How do you define these things? So before we even yeah. discuss the Trinity, um, let's define it. And the reason I'm turning to this book is because I believe that his uh, his definition of it, the way he defines it, is, is a, very, a very good one. So here we go. It is time to lay down a basic fundamental definition of the Trinity. At the end of our study, we will look a little closer at this definition, expand upon it, uh, and examine a few of the issues it raises. But we need a short, uh, sustenant, accurate definition to start with. with. And here it is. Within the one being that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to read a little bit more as he defines how why he worded it this way, because every word he chooses to use in this definition is on purpose, and you'll understand why. So he explains that. Uh, let me hear we go. I have chosen my words very carefully. Each is very is very important. Each has a specific function. More importantly, I have avoided certain words, too. Let's look briefly at some of the major issues presented by this definition. First, the doctrine rests completely upon the truth of the first clause. There is only one God. The one being that is God carries within it a tremendous amount of information. It not only asserts that there is only one God, the historic belief shared by Christians and Jews known as monotheism, but it also insists that God's being, uh, he capitalized the being being, by the way, so that it contrasts away from the persons, is one unique, undivided individual. I mean, indivisible. So, by the way, uh, a being, right? So, I'm my being is not Michael, right? JD's being is not Michael. Your being is what you are, not who you are, right? So yeah. I'm a human being, and that's what I am. Who I am is Michael. So what he's saying is the opening of this, no matter what, is what God is, is God. One God, he's one thing. There's not, it's not multiple gods. We're not try, uh, try, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Try, a, there's a specific word for try gods, but uh, we don't believe in three gods, three gods. Or, gods or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. So uh, he then goes in to say, as you can see already, there is a lot packed into each phrase. We will unpack all of this in time. But for now, the emphasis of the first clause is monotheism and the assertion that there is only one true God. So anyone who wants to uh, try theism, thank you so much, Flatbush. So we have to understand a lot of people that argue against the Trinity, guys. They're going to often misrepresent it. And if you don't immediately try to correct it and defend the truth, you're allowing them to bring a false image of what they're arguing against into the picture. Like if I'm arguing with you about a dog, but then the thing I'm describing is a cat, you can't let me keep going. You have to stop me and say, we're talking about a dog. And this is what I mean when I say dog, right? Woof, woof. Uh, uh, so we have to make sure they understand we do not believe in three gods. We believe in one God. We are monotheists. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Second, the definition insists that there are three divine persons, 
Note immediately that we are not saying that there are three beings or uh, that are one being or three persons that are one person. Such would be self-contradictory. I emphasize this because most often it is misrepresent, a, misrepresent, a misrepresentation of the doctrine that is commonly found in the literature of various religions that deny the Trinity. The second clause speaks of three divine persons, not three divine beings. As I warned before, we must not succumb to the temptation to read the term person as if we are talking about the finite, self-contained human being. This is what I want you yeah. to really understand right here. We use person because that's what you and I understand as humans. That does yeah. not mean that all of what a person is to us is, is what God is, is being brought is into, shall we say. Amen. Um, Amen. And so he, he goes on to finish this by saying, what person means when we speak of the Trinity is quite different than when we speak of creatures such as ourselves. These divine persons are identified in the last clause as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And, and, and I can keep going, but I just want the basic definition. So we believe in one God, and his existence is in three co-equal, unified persons, Okay. Um, and, and I'm sure I'll get to my analogy later that I often use, but let's go ahead and get back to China and, and hear what she has to say. Unless, did you have anything to add to that, JD? Yeah. I also wanted to just add, okay, so the, the Trinity, as we already saw there, tritheism, the Trinity is also not polytheistic. The Trinity is also not modalistic. And the Trinity is also not pantheistic. So panthe pantheism is, is, is the Hindus who have multiple gods or the Greeks who have multiple gods. Um, we do not hold to that view. We also are not saying that God the Father is one third God, Jesus the it's Son partialism. another third God. You, you see what I'm saying? So again, um, what we are, we, we maintain the accuracy and the authenticity authenticity of scripture god is one um and we see this with that that word we see in genesis which we will go to ekad which is one in unity god is one in unity at no point is there a separation between father son and spirit they are continually omnipresent omnipotent and one god amen go ahead and the three of them are what make god god they are all three co-equal. There's no hierarchy or anything like that. All of them are completely equal. They just have different roles. So I understand what she says there. Different roles is hierarchy in a sense because the father is yeah. greater than the son. The son submits to the father. However, I fully understand what she's saying and I agree with it to the to the what to the point she's making. They are co-equal. Um I would see this is the thing about Trinity. If you guys notice me picking apart anything, it's not like I'm trying to pick her apart in a negative way. We should always be aiming to improve each other and correct each other. And the thing is, when it comes to the Trinity, you have to be very, very, very specific yeah. how yeah. you word it if you're going to attempt to uh, 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 define it, right? Uh, so yeah. we want to be very, very careful. So yeah, when I think she it's said important all to three together are God. I'm glad that she added that each one is God. Like so, it's not that it's not partialism, right? Together they're God. Yes, together they are God, but individually they're God. Yeah, and I think it's important to to establish that it's not a hierarchy but a monarchy. Like like if yes. we see God the Father, uh, He begat the Son. So again, it's 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 they were both in unity with this with the begetting of the Son. Like again, we see the the importance of this, where Jesus Christ prays in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, "Not my will, but yours." Again, 
if Jesus Christ was forced to go to the cross, then the sins wouldn't be paid for. He laid down his life willingly. This is God laying down his life willingly. So real quick, uh, I actually like that. I want to keep this conversation flowing. So if I see something in the comments, I do want to incorporate it. Uh, so Steph, uh, I know that you, that analogy immediately gets uh, uh, taken in. Uh, and a lot of people love that analogy. And I think that's a reason why modalism is able to hide so well in today's culture. So for those that are listening only and can't see it, she shared an analogy that she heard, uh, which was the ice, water, and vapor, which again, uh, many people do. So I'm not pointing it out that you're wrong or anything like that. Uh, it's it's what just gets repeated. It's, it's what's known as something, well, it's not a lie of repetition, but it is a lie from repetition because it's, it's a yeah. lie. It's not true. And here's why. Because what that teaches is what's known as modalism. And what modalism yeah, yeah. says is that God is one being in one person who manifests and as people. different forms uh, yeah. at, at different times. Now, what yeah. modalism yeah. teaches is that the father is the father, but when he's the son, the father's not, he's not the father, right? So in that understanding, you know, God, the father's in heaven, and then he changes to the son and he comes to earth. And then he's like, I'm leaving and I'm going to send the helper. And he changes to the Holy Spirt and comes back. That that's not, that's so I again I understand what you are saying with that. In fact, I remember when I was talking to my wife, uh, we were on a road trip, JD, and I was talking about how I wish there was a better way to really break that analogy down. And she kind of helped me think of one where I, it's still not gonna be perfect, no matter what yeah. human analogies yeah. can never define it. But instead of thinking of water in its three forms, water itself would be God, and then the father, the son, and the spirit would be three different cups, right? It's the same God in all of them. It's all the same water, but three different containers, three different cups are, are what are presented as it, right? But it's not, yeah. they don't leave the cup, right? So it's not like the cup, the water moves. It's three different cups, three different sets of, of the same water, but it's not partialism. That's why, again, human analogies. It's not like each one has a certain amount of God. Uh, and yeah. this is, the, like I said, this is the negative uh, to when mm. we try to use these analogies, because Amen. no matter what, we're now opening the Amen. door to compare God to a finite thing. So yeah. the goal is- I mean, I saw, I saw the egg one as well. Someone said, what about the egg analogy? Again, um, God gave us examples of his triune nature throughout our nature, through what we can see within us. We're a trinity. Um, if you look at your body, mind, and spirit, um, you so these things again, although they are examples um, of what the Trinity is, they are not accurate because we are not God. So the egg um, being the shell, the white, and the yolk, um, a lot of people I've seen use that as the Trinity example as well. Again, at no point, if you take the shell away, um, it's still an egg. If you crack the egg and you throw yeah. it in, 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 in a pan, it's still an egg, but there are only two components. So again, um, it could be used to make a point as it's one egg, but it comes up with three parts. Ultimately, it's not a strong argument because it's not God. We can't relay the triune nature of God to the likeness of an egg. So, so uh, I, I'll go ahead. I said I was going to save it for later, but I'll go ahead and share the analogy that I use. And again, no analogy is perfect, but here's the one that I use because I don't like using uh, uh, things that aren't made in his image. Like, I feel like we're no better. I mean, we're not, we're nothing near God, but at least we're made in his image. So I like to use us towards the analogy rather than something, you know what I mean? Like something like ice or water or eggs. Right. Um, so I have a mind, 
And my mind is where, like all of you right now are hearing my mind. Like, let's be very honest. The words that come out, you're hearing my mind. My mind is what presents to you. However, none of you have seen my mind. You haven't. You, you've seen me. And if you've seen me, you've seen my mind, right? So Jesus is the representation of the mind. And the mind is God, right? But Jesus is also God because he's the image of him. And the Holy Spirit is the blood and the oxygen that flows through that body. Now, when you become a member of the body of Christ, ready? You share in that blood and oxygen known as the Holy Spirit. You're one with the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is in submission to the mind, the Father. And just like right now, if I told you, I can't say anything unless my mind tells me to do so. My mouth can't speak on its own. My mouth can't deliver a message separate from what the mind tells it to do. So the father is the mind. And that's why Jesus makes it known that you've never seen the father. I've always been the image because the mind is bigger than that. It's the mind, right? So again, still limited. But I think that's my my opinion. My favorite analogy uh, that, that at least uses us, who is the image of God, to describe, in a sense, how they can be one in unity uh, while also being three distinct persons. Amen. I mean, and, and, and Danny, to answer your question, um, which is which is ultimately like with, with, with this, this is like a Trinity. When it comes to Trinity podcast, Mark and I could sit here for seven, seven eight hours and, and go through this and answer all these questions. But that's a beautiful question. And we do see the Apostle Paul breaks it down for us in that sense. Again, look at it as a monarchy and not a hierarchy. It's God the Father, Christ the Son, husband, wife children the 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 godhead and the order of the godhead is also painted for us within human within humanity so the husband and the wife come together what does it say the husband and the wife mike and tanasia are one flesh myself and diane are one flesh we are one in the spirit but we are two separate persons i can't think for diane diane can't think for me but ultimately in the spiritual realm we are one flesh. So again, we see God gives us these examples of his triune nature throughout the scriptures. So when we see that there's God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, we see that there are three distinct persons. But again, the only thing I would tweak what she has just said is, is, is they're not playing God together. Um, and they have like, uh, they submitting to one another everything their thoughts this everything that was willed by the father is willed by christ is willed by the spirit they have one will one destination the god the father doesn't go yo holy spirit is it okay if i send you down to earth uh to you know indwell the believers that's not how it works so there's no instruction given it's it's one will it's one god Amen. Let's continue, because at this rate, we'll never finish the video. <laughs> Under the Godhead. The doctrine says the three of them make up one God. So the Bible makes it. Not that the three of them make up one God. The three of the. See, again, there's like, I know I'm stopping it so quick, but I just want to make it clear. If you say the three of them make up one God, therefore that becomes partialism, because that would involve all three to be God. If not, if you take one out, then you don't have God, right? No, no, no. Mm. God is one and it's three persons in God. Yeah. Very clear in John 1 that Jesus is the word. He is the word of God. 
made flesh to come down to earth and be the lamb, be the sacrifice for us to pay the wages of our sin on the cross. Jesus walked in that, in literally everything he did and said. He walked like he was an extension of God. And I... So I do want to stop here because I do like the way that she described that, an extension of God. Uh, I've heard some people refer to Jesus as the hand of God, right? So hand, the hand reaching into uh, creation, um, as long as we identify that that hand has its own personhood. But because she said John 1, I just want to go there real quick and enlighten you guys a little bit on that word, uh, the word word there. Um, so here we go. So in John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and the beautiful thing here is, as I've been studying the Greek more, uh, John starts with anarche and ologos kaiologos. And I know that sounded crazy to say that, but the reason I wanted to say it out loud is because the beginning of Genesis in the Greek Septuagint, which is what Jesus and them would have read, read begins the exact same way, but in uh, RK and then it goes into in the beginning, God created, right? But we see this parallel that John is drawing. But he, instead of using God first, he uses the logos, the logos. Now we see the word as word. So therefore we go, oh, the word. So he's, he's, he's God's word, which is true. But this word in Greek is actually much deeper than that. You see yeah, the logos yeah. was looked at as a divine thing in the Greek philosophy. In fact, I believe, uh, uh, I don't... Uh, it was looked at as the reason and cause of all. Like it is the divine, like the divine purpose of existence. Like it is the source of all, which ironically, after John introduces the logos, he then goes into saying that in him was life. And the life being described right here is an ongoing life. Um, yeah. Not about to do a whole Greek lesson. I don't want to bore you guys, but uh, there's certain ways that you, you know, conjugate these verbs. And I'm not, I'm not a master of Greek, but from my studies, what you see here is that he purposely leaves certain ones uh, without that, without that descriptor in it. Uh, um, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? I hate when I don't know the word. I just read it. Regardless of the point is, so in the beginning here, when he uses this, this uh, Greek language, the way he does, he's making it seem as an eternal beginning. There's no beginning yeah. point or ending point in this beginning. Uh, unlike when it goes to the part where it says all things were made through him, the way he conjugates made right there, which is egento, shows that this is a beginning point, right? So the reason I point that out is because if you actually are reading this the way the Greek was, it's not just saying in the beginning was God's word. It's saying in the beginning was the, was the essence of everything, and that was with God. And the way that, again, John describes this, the logos en prostheon, that, that is a face-to-face -face relationship. So it's not just saying with, like my, my water bottle is with me here. It's with in a, in a personal, intimate relationship, right? In fact, if I was to open up uh, this word and go into other parts in the scripture, you would see it being used in that sense of an intimate relationship. And then he goes and says, the word was God. So the word had an intimate relationship with God and the word yeah. was God. Um, and then yep. it, go, it goes back to saying, again, he was in the beginning with God. And then it says, all things were made through him and without him, nothing that was made was made. So it shows that this logos can't be in uh, uh, the made category. So I just wanted to emphasize yeah. that the word logos has so much more meaning to it than just being the word of God, the way you and I hear the word word. Amen. Amen. And uh, yeah, 
<clears throat> absolutely and i know i know we we haven't really gotten into the video yet guys so please bear with us but here we see also again when i've told you guys beforehand that term begotten begotten son the eternally begotten son of god now to beget if god for god to be have to have a begotten son this is why from genesis 3 15 through all the prophets they are able to prophesy the word of god they are able to prophesy accurately exactly how the messiah would be born where the messiah would be born what the messiah would look like what he would do how he would act how he would walk how he would talk how he would die and how he would be raised to life all of these things that are prophesied are only able to be prophesied because god had already written it before eternity passed again this is why we refer to jesus christ as the lamb that was slain before eternity passed he the plan the redemption plan was already in place at inception of creation it's not a backup plan people think like jesus was a plan b adam and eve slipped up so Christ was the B plan. No, he was always the plan. God was always going to show his true character, his true nature, and his agape love for his creation because I created you and I will rescue you. This is why we see Israel constantly calling out and, and the psalmist puts a lot of emphasis, emphasis on the Lord being his refuge, the Lord being his strength, the Lord being the redeemer, the Lord being the rescuer, the Lord coming down to save his people. This is why, again, another reason why the triune doctrine is essential. All right, let's go. I think that that clashes with the Trinity doctrine in a very big way. Let me, I need to rewind it a little bit because of how much we were talking. I need to know what she's saying clashes. Sin on the cross. Jesus walked in that, in literally everything he did and said. He walked like he was an extension of God. And I think that that clashes with the Trinity doctrine in a very big way. Here's what Jesus said in John 14. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Mm -hmm. After I looked into the doctrine, and then I went back to this verse and read it, I saw a clear contradiction. The okay, so this is why I wish more people had more discipleship. Uh, so her statement, and obviously we already know where the contradiction is going. How can they be, be co-equal if he says the father is greater than I? So really quickly, let's go to John 14. Let's actually look at the context that which is being spoken about here. And I will gladly show you what this actually means. And I know that I get this question a lot. So I'm actually excited to finally be able to address this uh, specifically for you guys. Let me find a, a book of John here. I know I've got it somewhere. You know what? John 1. So let's go to John 14. So. There's a lot of Trinitarian things in John 14. So uh, it, it, here's the one thing I've realized. Some people will get caught on one verse and let one verse change everything, but yet there'll be a hundred other verses that confirm it, right? The Trinity is all throughout John 14, but she's speaking about the greater than. So let's go to this for a second. All right, let's read this entire part. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, where the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. 
Peace I have, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. So you hear this and, and hear, wait a minute. How can the Father be greater than Jesus? But we have to understand something. The definition of the Trinity is the eternal God. We should have covered this in the beginning with defining terms. When we read scripture, we have the eternal son who we see all the way back to Genesis, all the way through Revelation. But for a 33 year period, we have the incarnate Christ. And what do I mean by that? Let's go to Philippians 2 real quick, just really quickly. It's very important that we read this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count one another, uh, one, count others more significant than yourselves. And he says, look, let each one of you look not only in his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So now let's go back to John, uh, uh, the gospel of John. After he says that the father's greater than I, what does he say to God, his father, in the prayer? He says, uh, 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 and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So in the moment, in the incarnate Christ, the Father is greater than him because he had emptied himself, according to Philippians 2. So he's telling them, if you loved me, you should want me to go back to him because then I become greater. I'm going back to the Father to be glorified back to who I was, to fulfill the promise I made for you, to finish the work that I started. And if I don't go back to him, none of this means anything. So it's not that he's saying eternally the Father is greater than I. In that moment, he's saying you should want me to go back because in three chapters, we see him talking to his Father, saying glorify me with the glory that I once had right? That I had with you. Philippians 2 says he lessened himself. He emptied himself. Hebrews says that he was made like us so he can understand our temptation and, and, and our struggles. Uh, 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 in Colossians, you know, it, it, it talks about this in all throughout scripture. It's all throughout this, that he came as a humble servant. Just like when people say, why does he say not my will, but your will in the garden, right? He emptied himself. He was walking as a servant to demonstrate humility at the greatest extent. Although he was equal to God, he made that seem like nothing that can be grasped. Don't yeah. think you can be equal to him. I'm going to show you because even though I'm God in flesh, because I'm not in my glorified state, I would never claim the equality in this moment. Amen. JD, anything? Um, I would have I would have gone exactly the same route you have, same scriptures, same way. Am I so, still your thunder, bro? I just realized I've been talking a lot. I told you I'm excited for this episode. Amen, bro. That's I, I can all I can add to that is is amen. That's exactly it. We 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 try and we try and again 
with our finite minds, if you're going to read scripture with the carnal mind. And, and the only thing I can possibly add to this is, is when Paul's speaking to the Corinthian church and he says he wants to give them the meat, but they are yet carnal. They are yet babes in Christ. So a lot of people, when it comes to the triune nature of God and understanding when God, when Jesus Christ prayed the way he prayed, they still are looking at it from a carnal perspective. Um, this is not how we look at it when Jesus Christ mm -hmm. as well as, as as we compare it to Colossians and Philippians, where we see the deity of Christ broken down by the Apostle Paul. And then you bring that back to the Gospel of John and you harmonize the two. This is what people don't do. They don't harmonize scripture. Rather, they look at it and like she's just done. Here's a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. There are absolutely no contradictions in the word of god i just want to make that abundantly clear if you found a contradiction you have not studied deeply amen so real quickly i want to also throw out there i want to show you guys this right here that also affirms what i just said after the resurrection in luke 24 he uh he, he he's walking out here you know he's the risen christ and we come to this part right here where it says some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said but him they did not see. And he said to them, so this is Jesus speaking to them, but they can't recognize him. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? So he comes to them saying, come on, guys. It was in the scriptures. You knew I had to go through this to enter into my glory, to be who I'm meant to be. Like, mm. come on, guys. And then it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Right. So just want to nail that down. And I get it. I, I, man, I wish I could somehow get a hold of her and have a conversation with her. Who knows? Right. Uh, because I yeah. understand where she's she's digging through this in her own mind. I'm not about to be like you heretic. No, she's saying I was reading and I'm asking myself, what is this? Right. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. This is also why, guys, it's so important to have discipleship, fellowship, and people to, 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 to do that with. So let's continue uh, with her video. Amen. Trinity doctrine says that God the Father is not greater than God the Son or God the Holy Spirit. They just have different roles. But Jesus just said, my Father is greater than I. So obviously we just discussed all this. I just jumped ahead of her. So let's let her play out real quick. I think we have two options here now. We can either take what Jesus said and try and interpret it and make it make sense to fit the Trinity doctrine, or we could reject anything that contradicts what came out of Jesus's mouth. However, I would say I don't, oops. Am I not back? Okay, there I am. Sorry, it took a minute. I would say, though, I don't like that her options here are just straight up to either reject it or whatever. Like, it's like, how about, have you looked into the semantics? Have you looked into the original language? What translation are you reading? Have you looked into commentary? Because it sounds like what she did is she read it. She's like, that doesn't make sense to me. And I either have to reject it or not, or I have to reject uh, uh, the Trinity, right? So... Uh, I, I don't like that response. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. 
So FYI, I know I stopped it again. In case y'all are wondering, another reason why we have to stop it often is because uh, if you let something play too long, the stream can get uh, taken down because they think you're you're infringing copyright and stuff. So another reason why you have to stop it so often is is due to the fact that you don't want uh, uh, you know YouTube's algorithm to think that you're streaming something you don't have the rights for. Uh, but again, I feel like we kind of covered all this, uh, even with the analogy of the mind and the mouth. So let's keep listening to her. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Now, it doesn't get much clearer to me that the Father is greater than the Son. If Jesus was just one third of God, how can God the Father teach God the Son something? Yep, so here we go. Now we're, now we're in partialism. Uh, so uh, we're in partialism and also it seems like we're also uh, slipping a little bit into, I don't know if it's Gnosticism. Is she trying to separate the flesh of Jesus or something or maybe modalism? I, I don't know where she's going here right now, but this is honestly, this is an example of, and I hate to keep repeating this, but I really want you guys to hear this of reading the Bible and then letting your mind run on, on what you think God is. We got to let the word describe him. Because, man, I'm just saying. They'd have yeah. equal knowledge. What one knew, the other two would know. He also said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. He didn't say one third of your God. If All right, I'm sorry I keep pausing it. But JD, I'm going to let you kind of, because I know I keep talking, but. Yeah, it's partial. It's partialism. So what happens is yeah. the foundation of her understanding of the Trinity is off. And as she's trying to dig deeper, matter of fact, oh man, talk about practical examples. What did I say on the last podcast? That when you start getting deeper into your faith, if you didn't take it serious, then you need to start from scratch because you might go in with a faulty foundation. And it sounds like she's been getting deeper in her faith, but began with a faulty foundation on what the Trinity is. Uh, a faulty foundation on their co-equal, uh, the, the unity between them. Uh, for example, she also mentioned that, you know, Jesus said, uh, I don't glorify myself, but the father glorifies me. Well, that's exactly what the Trinity is. The father uh, points to the son. The son points to the father. The Holy Spirit points to the son who's pointing to the father. It's a perfect uh, unity of love that's constantly being selfless. I mean, and also, again, when we look at the scripture, it doesn't give us too much on when Jesus Christ was a child. But when we see we see a few examples of Jesus Christ as a child, and one of these examples is, is Jesus goes missing. Mary and Joseph go scattered. They're looking everywhere for him. And when they finally find Jesus Christ, he replies with what? Did you not know that I would be in my father's house? Again, Jesus Christ saying, yeah, that my father has taught me everything in the flesh. We know that Jesus Christ was an obedient child, that he was sinless. This doesn't mean he was sinless during his earthly ministry for those three years. He was actually in going from town to town and ministering and healing people and opening blind eyes and opening deaf ears. No, he was obedient all the way through even unto the death of the cross. So again, what Jesus Christ, what she is missing is to separate the flesh, Jesus Christ in the flesh, and Jesus Christ as the eternal God. She can't find, uh, she's, she's trying to make sense of what Jesus Christ is saying from a finite perspective, from a carnal perspective. Again, um, 
she's she's just giving her understanding here from from what i've seen in the video so far it's not like she's preaching it as doctrine she's trying to make sense of what she's reading so um let me help you help you and <laughs> that's ultimately what we are saying jesus christ in the flesh again philippians and colossians makes it abundantly clear who christ was in his flesh amen jesus once again were one third of god how could him honoring himself be nothing he said it only means something because it is coming from my father whom you say is your god the way that the trinity doctrine explains who god is it doesn't line up with what came out of jesus's mouth this is you got anything man <laughs> again um she's hopping on this idea she's hopping on this idea and like we've already already established this is not this is not one third the father one third is the holy spirit and one third is the son um again um when we look at the there are certain phrases within the greek and within the hebrew which which make this make make sense and again that word ekad which we see the Lord our God is one. He is one in unity. My wife and I are a cut. Again, she is trying to create a separation where there is no separation. Jesus Christ is explaining something in a way that his apostles and those listening would understand. Again, if we look at Jewish, Jewish tradition, they would understand this so a lot of people are reading this having zero understanding of jewish tradition the the marriage ceremony for one uh when jesus christ said i go ahead of you i go to prepare a place for you in my father's house in my father's house there are many rooms or many mansions and i go ahead of you to prepare a place the understanding of this if we look at the jewish wedding tradition that's how it worked if i was to marry a woman i would I would I would approach her and we would be engaged then at that point I would go away my father would build a place for me and her and when the place was ready only then my father would send for my bride and bring her forth this is why when Jesus Christ says things like no one knows the hour of his return no one but the father Christ in his eternal eternal Godhead absolutely knows but in the flesh the analogy he is giving is a way that his apostles and his disciples would understand this is why people don't understand that jesus christ spoke in parables and he used a lot of hyperbole the reason if you don't know what hyperbole is then you are not going to understand any of jesus's parables or 90 percent of what he spoke about amen all right let's let's start back into it so real quickly i do want to say this um, I see people saying stitch her. Maybe you could reach her. I, I couldn't because I would need more than 10 minutes, right? Uh, maybe, you know what? Maybe I will sti uh, stitch her with just a statement of saying I did the video. It's online. Everybody tagged her. And I would love, if you do see this, I would love to have a conversation with you because I would love to have a conversation with her because I see the heart is in the right place. It's that she's letting the mind take over. And rather than going to, like I said, church fathers, her uh, an elder uh, commentaries, not leaning on them as the authority, but at least looking to them to see, because here's the thing, guys, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm solo scriptura. I'm not saying there's any authority outside of scripture. However, I would be naive to think that Christians are, as a whole were just stupid for the last 2000 years. 
Like, like, like God was silent and that no one was, you know what I mean? There's knowledge, there's wisdom, there's people that have went down these paths before us and just hearing a lot of what she's saying. I'm going to be honest with you guys on this one. JD, JD, ready for this? I'm actually a little disappointed and not in her, the commenters that were commenting on my video saying like, yeah, she's in support of the Trinity. Yes. She actually describes it really, really well. So far, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, and that makes me worry. Yeah. Like maybe I need to do more Trinity discussions. Maybe we need to talk more Trinity. Maybe we need to stop mm. talking about whatever. Because there's a couple of very important things. Eternal security and Trinity. Like that might have to be our 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 hallmark, our benchmark. Like that, that might have to be what we need to go to all the time. Just, hey, yeah. know who he is and know what he did. <laughs> yeah. Amen. All right, let's see. Oh, my bad. I hit the wrong button. Clearly Jesus saying to us that my father teaches me. He is greater than I. My father honors me. That is why it means something. It's clear as day. There's also this. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. So real quick, JD did hit this already, but I know this one's really hard for some people. So I want to share a little bit to add some more clarity to this. First and foremost, let's go to Acts chapter one. Let's go to Acts chapter one, where we see Jesus say to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Wait a minute. In what she quotes, Jesus says, that only the father knows. But here he says it a little differently because he's glorified now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe the incarnate Christ, as JD said, is demonstrating his emptying of emptiness of his eternal knowledge in a finite brain that he abandoned it for a short period of time. And, and now the answer is different because they asked him the same question. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? Like they said last time. And last time he said, only the father knows, but now the glorified son who is back in his eternal glorified state response. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. So it changes from only he knows to it's not your place to know. Huh? Yeah. So again, yeah. this is why you, you, if you've been a long time listener, you've heard me and JD use the statement or the phrase Tota Scriptura. Right. It's not yeah. part of the solas, but what it means is we take all of scripture in totality. In fact, I saw a couple of people commenting uh, and one person said scripture interprets scripture. Amen. Don't yeah. don't read something. And for all the people joining us on our Bible reading, we gave you this lesson. But for anybody that's new here, let me share another little lesson with you. When you mm. read any historical text, it don't even have to be Christianity. If you read Caesar, if you read uh, Socrates. You have to cross the bridge of 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 uh, of uh, generations, right? So you stand right now in 2023. Not only do you stand in 2023, you stand in your culture. Where are you at? You stand in your uh, in your community. So you have a community, your culture, and your era that's going to influence how you perceive anything. Fifty yeah. years ago, if I went back in time. Walked down the street in New York in 1960 something, and I said, Yo, that's fire. They run him. Why? Because fire then 
means what it still means, but they wouldn't understand the slang. That's 50 mm. years with the same language. You cannot read 2,000-year-old literature translated into English and then just take the face value based on the English understanding. Yeah. I hope that that makes sense. We literally, it looks like we literally lost like 35 people when I said that. And that's a <laughs> sign. Those are the people that don't want to do that. And that's fine. Maybe you don't need to be here. <laughs> lost another 12. Look, see, now I'm starting to, they starting to feel convicted, which is fine. I'm okay with that. But my point is you got to take yourself back to that time um, because it's very important. And, and then the last yeah. example I have for this exact thing that she's talking about is in first Corinthians. Paul says, and when I came to you, brothers, did I did, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So even in this moment, we all know at this point, Paul knows more than just Jesus Christ crucified. So this word know in this cultural sense can also mean a decision to reveal, a decision to declare, which would also fit in that. It is only the father who declares it. As JD said, this meets the Jewish cultural context as well, because if Jesus is the bridegroom and we are the bride, only the father declares when the wedding is, right? Yep. So much to get into when we really want to get in there, right? Exactly. Um, so let's go ahead and, and, and keep going with the video. Only the Father knows when this life as we know it will come to an end. How could that be? If God is made up of three co-equal persons, they would all three know. And 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 I I'm sorry I keep pausing it, darn it. Stay away from this 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 fallacy she just did. She said if they're three co-equal persons, they should know. So what she did, you see, it's sometimes we don't notice this. This is the problem with my mind. I'm picking up everything because I'm always analyzing everything. But mm. uh, at the end of the day, that bothers me because what she did is this God we can never understand. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it this way, and now I'm about to insert my own opinion too. Well, that shouldn't be how that works. <laughs> you don't get to say how God operates and functions. You don't, you don't get to add that two cents in there. I, I'm sorry, you just don't. Unless you have scripture yeah. where God reveals to you saying, this is who I am. If he doesn't say, I must know this or I, you don't get that role to say that. Anything you want to add to that, JD? Uh, you know, just just going back to, you know, over the last few things she said, you, you know, when we look at why, when Jesus Christ addresses the, the issue of his return, again, I want you guys to, to, to remember something. God is perfectly just. God is perfectly just. In order for God to remain perfectly just and perfectly righteous and perfect love, as we know, God is love. He cannot go. If Jesus came and said, yo, uh, okay, cool. Um, I'll be coming back on the 17th of September, 2023. Do you know what that would have done? Um, first of all, the, the apostles would have been like, well, <laughs> okay, so we are not even going to be alive at that time. So we'll just, you know, kind of, cruise through this you see the 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 understanding um of of the apostle paul the apostle peter the half brother of christ james is is that christ could be returning at any moment even in their day 
even in their day. The other flip of this coin is this would then, in fact, show that God does, in fact, show partiality and God is a respecter of persons, where the scriptures clearly tells us that God shows no partiality and is no respecter of persons. However, in Colossians, it tells us that it is God's desire for all men to be saved. It is God's desire for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth and to be called to repentance and to and to be saved and believe the gospel. But ultimately, if he just lay down, laid it down like that, if Christ just said, yo, I'll be back on the 17th of September, 2023, uh, then people would be living like, OK, I can live however I want to live. Um, I just got to get right before that day. Um, and that's not what God wants. God wants us to love him. God wants us to seek him. God wants us to want him out of our own desire. You see, this is what the fullness of repentance is. And that Greek word we see metanoia is, is that repentance is a change of mind, which leads to a change in heart, which then leads to a change in action. God wants us to want him. He's not forcing us into relationship. Again, a lot of people will take this out of context and will snip it up and go, ah, look at that, look at this. But ultimately, what we see from Scripture is God's desire is for men to be saved. But he is not going to put a gun to your head and say, this is this is it, be saved or perish in, in the sense of I know who's going to die and who isn't going to die. We continue to preach the gospel. We continue to preach the gospel. We can bring, continue to bring the message of truth and love to people who are lost. This is what we are called to do. If Jesus Christ had told them that at that point, absolutely everything, church as we know it, the history of Christianity as you know it, would not be the same. This is the Oops. thing that... Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't trying to cue you to stop. Like, go ahead and stop, JD. Are you, did you finish? Yeah, we're done, All right. That yeah. keeps making my spirit jump every time I talk about this. I don't like referencing God as they. But that's that we don't do that. We don't reference God as they. Uh, we we reference God as God. There is one God. Again, this is completely a misunderstanding. But I want to make this clear for anybody that's just coming in here. We're not bashing her. I would love mm. to have a conversation with her. We are trying to in, in, enlighten y'all to why don't go listening to this. Because here's the problem with TikTok. This video probably has 500,000 views. And people who also lean on their own understanding are doing this. Oh, that's a good point. Not going to the Bible. Not going to people that probably haven't even touched their Bible in years. That that makes sense. Going off what they think. Yeah. they know, And, and it, it, this is what we do with all things in our country. Um, and this is why it's also dangerous to get online with a following and just start ramp. So I saw someone say yeah. something incredible in the comment section. Knowing you have that kind of presence, celebrity presence, if you are really struggling with something and, and you're not at the location where you want to be yet, you're just you're building. Don't involve 500,000 people in that. Yeah. Amen. Go to your elders. Yeah. Go go to a church. Go to a pastor. Yeah. Go to anyone and or your fellowship and talk one-on-one. -on -one. Don't go out here and be like, hey, this doesn't make sense to me. And, Amen. you know, why is Jesus praying to, you know, all types of things. I love that JD pointed out that God is so much smarter than us, and we think we know how he could have did things better. We, we couldn't. Like, why did Jesus pray to the Father? Well, do you think that... I heard this in a debate recently, actually, in a, in a debate between Trinity and mon mon modalism. Um, he said, do you think Jesus became an atheist when he came in the flesh? We believe Jesus eternally was in a relationship with his father. 
Do you think he stopped talking to him when he was in the flesh? And then also, if Jesus came here and said, I'm God and, and never talked about the father, then we would all be only worshiping Jesus. So the father yeah. would get no glory. So therefore, it would just be about Jesus. Jesus did not come to bring us a new God. Let me make this very clear. He came to reveal to us who God really is. On top of that, he also came to die for the sins of the world. So that's why he also yeah. didn't just jump out and be like, I'm God, throw lightning, right? Um, so yeah. That's and it's also important to note that that people take these little references to try and separate Jesus Christ and God the Father. But you must remember that every single time the Pharisees confronted Jesus Christ, the Pharisees and the Sadducees confronted Jesus Christ, and they tried to get one over with on him with using scripture or twisting scripture. He knew the scriptures way better than they did. And he got he was like, no, 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 no. That's not what that means. Um, and that's not what it says. Um, and that's not what the law dictates. So again, at the age of, at the tender age of 12, Jesus Christ was preaching in the temple better than the learned scholars. How is this possible? Because he is in constant communication with the father. Amen. 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 All right, let's go ahead and get back into it. It, it makes me shiver. Because we can say all day that, that the three distinct persons are one God, but referencing the Trinity doctrine, I find myself referring to God as, as they. It sounds like her problem is not with the Trinity doctrine. It's with whatever Trinity doctrine she thinks she believes in and how she's dealing with that. Because if you're not, remember what I said in the beginning? If you come to discuss dogs with me, but what you're describing is a cat, then we're not really talking about the same thing. What do you mean by Trinity doctrine? And we already know now she thinks it's partialism. It's one third God, one third God, one third God, uh, 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 which would mean technically if that was true, then that would mean that when Jesus was on earth and emptied himself, God was incomplete. Yeah. Let's continue. As God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy spirit. And honestly, according to the doctrine, it doesn't really have to be in that order. That's okay. None of them are greater than the other. So it could be God, the Holy Spirit first, and then God, the son, and then God, the father, or God, the son, God, the father, God, the Holy Spirit. It really doesn't matter. There's no. She's trailing off. So this is also what's happening. So she's sitting in this room with a phone on a tripod and her Bible. And now she's just trailing in her thoughts, right? Anybody could do that. I could be sitting here like, well, this, this, and that. And then what if I do this, this, and that? And then what if I do this, this, and that? And then God makes it rain Doritos. And if the Doritos land, we're going to have an infest. Like you can, it's, hopefully she snaps herself back into this. Hierarchy. But Jesus stated a clear hierarchy when talking about his father. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus. And it also says right here in Colossians 3.1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Sitting at the right hand. <laughs> Shame, man. Okay, J.D. I so many okay. people get tripped up with that. So many people get tripped up with that. And again, this is now, this is. Just... <laughs> I'm really disappointed in the people. Out. I'm about to go back to my comment section 
And if you are someone that's been in my live streams and you told me that what she said was sound doctrine when it comes to the Trinity, I'm upset with you. I love you. I love you. But where, where, where? Like, so she went to Colossians 3. Real quick, JD, I'm going to let you get back. I'm going to let you finish. But uh, uh, I got to go to Colossians 2 real quick. I got to go to Colossians 2 because how do you go to Colossians 3 but skip Colossians 2? Hold on. Is it Colossians 2 or Colossians 1? Hold on. Ah, sorry. Colossians 1. Let, let us go to Colossians 1 real quick. He is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. Although the way she's reading and the way she's showing me that she's reading, she would have been like firstborn because how she took right hand. Don't worry. We'll hit those in a second. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So Paul is basically saying Jesus created everything and God created everything as we know. So therefore, and then he, he doubles down on top of all of it. He says all things are created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So he's the firstborn of creation and the firstborn of the dead. So that should also help you understand that this isn't about firstborn like you and I think about it. It's about airship and, and authority. But let's continue. That he, in everything he might be preeminent. So there's why we call him firstborn of creation, firstborn of the dead. He is preeminent. He comes before, therefore he has authority over all. But here's the other one. You, you're, you, you go to Colossians 3 to disprove the Trinity, but then here's Colossians 1. For in him are all, or I'm sorry, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in your, yeah. in, in, in your translation, it might say all the fullness of the Godhead, uh, of, de of deity. Regardless, in the Greek, what this is saying is that he has the fullness of the entire Godhead in unity with him. So that means he's one with the Father, one with the Spirit. Just like in, I'm, I'm, I would assume that in the Father, all the fullness of the Godhead dwell. In the Spirit, yeah. all the fullness of the Godhead dwell. But how can you jump straight to, I would love to have a conversation with her. JD, I really would. I would love to know. Yeah. Because. Yeah. Because again, she's, she's, she's reaching. She's reaching from what she's reading. And again, if, if no one, we cannot read the Bible like that, guys. We have explained this so many times. You cannot read the Bible. You don't pick up Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and open the middle of the book, read a passage and go, bam, I've concluded that this is who that is. And that you base the characters on three sentences. This is what people do with Jesus Christ in the Bible. They take five or six verses and then they assume they fully understand the character of Jesus Christ, the nature of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, based on five or six verses. Remember, Jesus Christ is in the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. He's not just in the New Testament. Everything about the word of God is, is we see prophecy about the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah, the, the ministry of the Messiah, the resurrection of the Messiah, and what will happen when the Messiah returns. That's the Bible. The entire Bible 
is about Jesus Christ. If you if you think it's about Moses or about Jeremiah or about Samson or about Jonah, you, you've missed it. They are just vessels. And, and again, um, thank you, Pastor Kenny, for your for your comments. I agree with you fully. Any pastor, like I, I hear a lot of people saying pastors will deceive you again. Any pastor who is truly out there seeking to, to see people follow Jesus will always say, don't take my word for it. Go back to the scriptures. Test the word of God. Test everything. Test every spirit as the word tells us. And then we can have a discussion. We can have a discussion. And this is why Mike is saying, and I agree, it would be awesome to have a conversation with her and, and um, really put to test the questions she's answering or the conclusions she is drawing based on a few chapters or a few verses. So you mentioned the son in the old Testament. So here's a couple I have pulled up already um, in Psalms two eleven. Uh, uh, well, to uh, the entire chapter two, but we get down to this point right here where it says now, therefore, O Kings be wise, be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him because the son is the one we take refuge in, right? Now, here's another one. Let's go to Proverbs 30, which Jesus quotes when he's talking to Nicodemus. He tells Nicodemus, who has ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? And then he says, the son of man has, and he calls himself the son of man. But let's go back to what he's drawing to in Proverbs 30. The rest of it says, who has wrapped up in the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. And then after it asks, what is his son's name? Let's go to the very next verse. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Where's the eternal son? All over the Old Testament. Yeah. It's just- Amen. So what I do find interesting, and hopefully she gets to it, she has yet to define what she believes, right? So she's clearly rejecting the Trinity. But I haven't heard her say if Jesus is God, is he the Father? Or Because it honestly sounds like, J.D., I don't know, tell me if you hear this, it sounds more so like Gnosticism uh, uh, to where, not Gnosticism, I'm sorry. Um, Arianism, like Jesus is a created being. And it's God's spirit on him. Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It sounds like a little bit of Arianism uh, because it sounds like she's a, she's saying that th- she's denying the hypostatic union, to be honest. And for anybody yeah. that's new in here, the hypostatic union is the description that the early church uh, came up with to describe what happened at the incarnation. Little quick, here's an easy way to remember what the hypostatic union is. If this is Jesus's divinity, and this is uh, Jesus's humanity. You, a lot of people want to think that this is what happened when he became incarnate. He came together and he ro- he rode in a human body. He put on flesh like a flesh costume. That's yeah. not how the Bible describes it. Instead, open up your fingers and do this. He came in unity and dwelt in flesh. He took mm. on flesh and the nature of it. Because that's not the first time God appears in flesh. Like, I want to be very clear. Jesus being born is the first time God takes on flesh and the only time he does. But we see God appearing in a a man-like state in the Old Testament, you know, where they think it's an angel or the son of man, one who is like a son of man, right? Uh, uh, It's a man-like state that he's appeared before. 
but in the moment of the incarnation, he took on human nature. He, uh, 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 what's the word? Welded. Let's say he welded together his nature and humanity. And if you really think about it, this is important for your salvation. If you deny this, then God never died because yeah. the spirit of God can't die. And if he's not in unity with the flesh, then all he did was ride the flesh to death and then let the flesh die. On top of that, uh, uh, when Jesus rises from the grave, the reason why he's able to rip us out of the grave as well is because he broke death. He conquered death because when he's intertwined with the flesh and the flesh died, death cannot contain God. So when God gets up, the flesh comes with him because he was intertwined with it. You and I, uh, uh, we are dependent upon that for our salvation. We are dependent on that for everything that happens in the gospel. In fact, without the Trinity, I, I, someone might not like this. I'm going to say it, JD. Without the Trinity, we have no gospel. Without the Trinity, the gospel falls on its face. Breach. I'm going to say this. Preach. <laughs> hey. A win is a win. A win is a win. God. Not Bring God me the Canaan. Father, but God. If they were referencing God the Father and they just forgot to specify, why would it matter that he was sitting at the right hand of God? Oh, we didn't even address this. So sitting at the right hand of God is just like the firstborn uh, 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 annotation. So this is a symbolic uh, position of authority, right? We go back to Daniel 7. We see him approaching the throne and being given dominion. Uh, uh, we see uh, in heaven the thrones. So here's the thing. There's multiple thrones. Uh, 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 and, and, and Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father does not diminish who he is. It only ensures us that he has the authority of God because to sit at the right hand of the king is to be his right hand and to hold his. And I mean, think about this back in kingships, the king had his word. And if he sent his word anywhere, you had to treat the word as if it was God and uh, the God king. Right. I don't know if you guys know this, but if the king's word came to you, that's the king. Whether you like it or not, you must treat him as the king. He holds the authority of the king and he represents the king, right? So this mm -hmm. right hand thing, I, again, she's thinking with her mind, leaning on her own understanding, being like, well, look, wait a minute, right hand, but ready for this? I'm about to shock, I'm about to shock her if she was to listen to this. There's technically no such thing as being next to God if we're talking about physical sense because God is omnipresent. Omnipresence doesn't have sides because he is everywhere or has access to every physical plane, and therefore there is nothing outside of his reach. Uh, so uh, uh, it's not that Jesus is sitting next to God physically, and therefore they're two different things. Just like in John 1, we see it says that the word was with God while also being God, being with him, being at the right hand of him. These are the to, to sim, uh, symbolize for us the intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. Amen. God the Father. That seems like a very specific statement. Like, like it, there is honor in sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Because first of all, there is. But the Trinity doctrine doesn't represent that. According just give me just give me a second, people. Just give me a second, people. Okay. I need. I just needed a breath. I just needed a breath. I needed a breath. 
And to the Trinity doctrine, God the Father, it really doesn't matter where he sits. He could sit in one of three seats. You know, Jesus could take God the Father's seat or, or God the Holy Spirit could sit in the middle. And There's that word could again. Again, y'all know how I like to give y'all hints sometimes, little tips to write down. Go ahead and write this down. You should never say God should, God could, or I think God would. Mm. Only God said, God says, or God has said. Those are your three yeah. options. Not God should, not God would, not God could, because you have no idea. Like imagine, imagine a, 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 a an ant was sitting on the ground in your front yard, chilling in the ant pile. He eating his little leaf, and you walk out your house every morning. He look over. He say, "Greg, come here." What do you think? What do you think this big thing do every day? He go from there to that thing with the wheel, and then he, he leaves. And then he said, "Well, obviously, he's always leaving to go eat something, something like just make some stuff up and said because that's what he he should do." But ant has no idea what you are, what you do, what you should do, what you could do. And here's the kicker: an ant is much closer to our existence than we are to God. <laughs> All right. God the Father could be off on the right. There was purpose to this statement. This statement told us that there was honor in sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Even though it didn't put God the Father, it says God. <laughs> and it says that because God is God all by himself. Jesus is a direct extension of God in the form of his word. The Holy Spirit, a direct extension of God, like it says here. Yes. Here's the thing that's it's funny. It sounds like she's rejecting the false Trinity doctrine that she somehow learned somewhere else and then kind of presenting what the Trinity, you know, kind of can be described as. Because yes, Jesus and the Spirit are extensions of God. I don't like actually. No, I don't like the word extensions, but they they proceed right. It's that they're the image of God. I don't know how yeah, the word it's, is, it's, it's, but I word it for you perfectly. Again, in the Greek essence, usia, usia is the essence, and Christ, homo usius. It's 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 proceeds from. It's not an extension proceeds from, you know, and, and this is why it's of the same essence, one God. You can't, there cannot be a separation. There cannot be a separation whatsoever. We can't, we can't pull them apart. So here's the issue I'm actually realizing. Let me close this. I want to talk with y'all for a second. She's clearly denying the Trinity as she thinks it exists. But here's the, I would love to be able to ask her a couple questions. First of all, are you saying Jesus is not God or is he God? And if she tries to reject that by saying, well, he's an extension of God, I would have to ask her, does he have his own personhood? Yes or no. The scriptures clearly describe Jesus being a person, right? He has his own personhood. Okay. So if you agree that he's an extension with his own personhood, do you believe that he can do anything on his own or does he have to do what the father tells him to do? Right? Because if not, he has the authority of God, but are you saying that he's not one with God? Because to have the authority of God and not be God 
would be blasphemy because God says, I share my glory with no one. He says, I alone am the savior, but Jesus is the savior. So there's so many things that, you know, when she sits here saying this doesn't work with the Trinity doctrine, this doesn't work with the Trinity doctrine. Um, what you're saying doesn't work with any doctrine. Well, it doesn't work with scripture. Um, yeah, I, I, and again, I know she's not teaching, but when you have a following of millions or whatever it might be, and 500,000 people see your video of you just rambling about how the Trinity is false, but you're not actually describing the Trinity, you are causing damage and, and misrepresenting Christ. Whether you do so by ignorance or not, the damage is done. If I fire a gun into a crowd, I didn't intend to hit anybody. But if I do hit somebody, I am 100% responsible for that. This is why James chapter 3 says, not all are called to be teachers, for we know that teachers uh, 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 will be held to a higher level of responsibility or accountability, etc. So this is actually dangerous for her that she's doing this. Uh, so I, 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 you got a cat, man? Yeah, she she's normally she's normally in her bed, but like I don't know what her problem is today. She's she's like she's being funny. She wants to I play. I would never have taken I would have never have taken you as a cat guy. I love cats, bro. I love cats. <laughs> and do not <laughs> oh, grieve man, the Holy Spirit <sighs> of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It didn't say do not grieve God the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I can actually show her scripture right now that would actually give her exactly what she's asking for. Um, mm -hmm. So let's go to Acts chapter 5. Ah, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So can we all agree that in this moment, Peter said that Ananias lied to the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold. Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. There you go. It's exactly what she asked for. Yeah. Again, again, let me just for everybody that's just jumped in. I said T Doc. I see a few people saying, again, we are not attacking her. Um, we we've also acknowledged that it is that she's just thinking out loud. We're just addressing the faults in her thinking out loud. And again, the the other side of the coin is if you are just thinking out loud with something that could be a stumbling stone to those that are new to the faith then don't think out loud. Um, there are reasons if why you have a platform. Yeah. Especially if you've got many, many followers, then you shouldn't be thinking out loud um, on a video, which could cause people to stumble. Um, so again, there's two sides to the coin. Um, not attacking her. Would love to have a conversation with her. Um, we'll be praying for her as well. And to everyone who amened her video, because ultimately they're in error for agreeing with this, this is, I've seen multiple views here. I've seen polytheism. I've seen Arianism. I've seen monotheism. You know, it's, 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 it's like, she's, she's a little bit all over the place. Um, and again, I just want to quickly before we, cause I'm gonna have to let Mark close this thing off 
Solo. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish the video because we can't end this one early. So this one's gonna go the full length. Yeah. So I just want to do this before I leave. You know, and I, I mentioned the word cut. So I just want to give you guys the examples of what I'm talking about and why there can't be separation. If you go to Genesis 1.5, in Genesis 1.5, it says the, the, the word cut appears there. Um, again, we see that this word is one in unity. Genesis 2.24, Adam and Eve became cut, one flesh. They became cut. They were one, but two and two, but one. So we see that word a cud again there genesis 3 22 adam and eve became a cud with god they became one with god they became one with god genesis 11 6 and the people were a cud one with god they were one and thus were one and many at the same time this word is essential because we know that israel as a nation was at one point one with god this doesn't physically mean that every single Israelite was unified in their thoughts, in their doctrine, in their behavior. No, but it, because of they were God's people, they were God's people, they were one with God. Again, we have to look at the fullness of what the word one means in the Bible. One doesn't apply the way we see it in our finite minds, in our carnal ways, that we can only see, I ate one chip. We, you know, this is this is the this is the reality of the human brain. We want it to make sense, and this is why so many people reject. We've heard so many atheists see, if I see it, I'll believe it. But Jesus Christ clearly said to James, "Those those blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed." And why are we blessed? Because we are blessed by having eternal life for believing the witness accounts of Christ Jesus. These are witness accounts. And we believe that the witnesses, again, if we go through Hebrews 11 and 12, we see we have such a great cloud of witnesses who we have believed. Jesus Christ, in another passage, we see there is one God and one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. Does this again mean that we see this and people will take that verse and go, oh, so Jesus Christ is only the mediator between God and man. No, in his, in his finished work, the work of the cross is the mediation. Again, he became the propitiation for sin. He laid down his life willingly for his sheep. Jesus Christ died so that everyone could be reconciled back to him. And by everyone, everyone who believes the gospel. Anyway, I'm going to let Mike close this one out. It's been awesome. I love you all. Grace and peace. Remember to subscribe, um, like, and share. Sorry, i got to leave you hanging, my big brother. Whatever you just you. did made your audio sound way better. Oh, cool. Right now. <laughs> I don't know what I did. Abiyam. That's how it should be every time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I did, man. Thank oh, you so wow. much, man. So I really I, love I that. Stop. I got to stop and read that. If someone does that. First of all, it's not required. You don't have to. If you want to do it, I'm not going to stop you. But, hey, I love Amen. what you do and explain things so well. What do you think of the flat earth stuff? You, I mean, J.D., you know, you got to go, so you don't got to feel the need to stay if you don't want to. 
Yeah. Um, once again, on YouTube, it's a good explanation in his live streams. You may or may not agree, but I just think it's something to watch. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. Yeah, I would love to definitely check it out. I'm always down to find new information. Uh, people don't like my answer when it comes to the flat earth stuff. But uh, what I always say is unless I can go out and, and into the atmosphere and look at it, I honestly can't say 100% undoubtedly what the truth is. And I've seen good evidence on on both sides. And, and, and uh, I would have to say that I couldn't I wouldn't say it's impossible. <laughs> I'll put it that way because with God, nothing is impossible. Um, but guys, normally I end it when JD's done, but because I, we started this, I've been talking about, it, we're going to keep going. Um, I think I can hold it down on my own. What do you guys think? I think I can, uh, Sir, let's keep do going. Not grieve. So we ended with her, uh, uh, asking, uh, about the, you know, it's saying Holy spirit, God, we showed you in acts. Also while JD was talking, I don't know if you noticed, I had this up just to show you here is Deuteronomy six known as the Shema of Israel. Uh, the Shema says here, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Uh, and that word one is a hot in, in Hebrew. Now in Genesis two twenty four, here we see the exact same word ihad being used, but it says that a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh ihad. Uh, so if man and woman can become ihad, and this is the word ihad being used prior to the word ihad being used in Deuteronomy six for anyone to assume automatically that Deuteronomy six must mean one in in physical presence or something. I don't know one in, 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 you know, finite. I don't know how to describe that, but it, it's, it's a gross uh, misrepresentation to just try and jump up and say, it has to mean this. Right. And, and that's not at all how that word works. It can mean multiple things. JD quoted other moments where it says Israel was one and, and, and other things like that. Um, and there was one other thing I was going to show you guys, uh, which we can get to as it loads my screen. You wanna, oh, I got to stretch it. There we go. So the Shema of Israel, you just saw it, right? The, uh, Hear me, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Well, check out this. Paul does something very interesting in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 9 or 8. Okay, it's in 8. So let's go back to 8. So in 8, he's talking about idols, and then there's this moment in the text where he changes up the way he's talking, and it's almost as if he's giving some type of creed that they would have recognized. And this is according to scholars, not Mike. And he goes like this. He says, for us, there is one God, the father from whom are all things and whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are our things and through whom we exist. And as I mentioned earlier, the Jews from the first century, they read the Greek Septuagint, right? So their Old Testament scriptures were written in Greek. So a lot of times the New Testament Greek will actually match the Old Testament Greek rather than the Old Testament Hebrew. Um, so this is why it's important sometimes to understand what the Greek Septuagint would have said. The way that he structures this right here is as if Paul is taking the Greek Shema and adding Jesus to it. But the difference is in the Greek Shema, which I can pull that up if you if I can. Uh, no, I can't right now. Uh, in the Greek Shema, it refers to... Uh, uh, God as Kyrios, because Kyrios is the Greek word for Lord, and Lord is what they would use in place of the name Yahweh. Well, check it out. In Greek, it says there is one God, but instead of using Kyrios, it refers to God the Father as Theos, which is the word for God. But then he says, and one Lord, Heis Kyrios, Jesus Christos. So he's saying, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, right? And, and we see this all throughout scripture in case anybody's trying to say Jesus isn't God. I mean, look at the end of 
uh, the letter of Jude, one of the most clear, clear, Jude tells us all types of places that Jesus is God. In verse five, he says, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Jude just said it was, it was Jesus back in Egypt. Then he ends it saying, right here, but be, but, oh wait, is that it? Oh no, right here. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So let's go ahead and get back into her video, though. The Holy Spirit of God. I know I keep pausing, all right? Uh, if she's going to lean on this moment, she has to remember that in John 14, which she quoted earlier, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he, I believe, like, 13, 14 times. He refers to the Holy Spirit as him several times. And he refers to uh, the Father and himself, Jesus, as we uh, three times. Because the Holy Spirit is a direct extension of God. The, the way the Bible actually describes it is that the Holy Spirit proceeds from, from the Father. She's really leaning on her own understanding. I think that this doctrine was interpreted using certain verses in the Bible, like baptize in the name of the father she said she said i think this doctrine was interpreted but yet you don't even know the doctrine of the trinity not meant to be a shot or an attack again i want to emphasize this over and over again i have nothing but respect for her and i would love to have a conversation with her however i love truth and i will not uh, uh comfort somebody in a lie to make them feel better you clearly do not know what the doctrine of the trinity is you just don't because you've described it as partialism. One-third God, one-third God, one-third God. They, those gods, things like that. That's not the Trinity. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus says things like, the Father and I are one. And if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. When God says, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. That makes perfect sense to me. Because Jesus... Wait, wait. Wait, wait, a minute ago, he said, it makes me shiver to refer to God as they. But he said, when God refers to himself as our and us, that makes perfect sense to me. Let's see. All right. Am I tripping? Is us and our different than they? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not, my wife is, my wife is an English, you know, she's got a master's in English. Should I go wake her up and just make sure I'm not tripping? <laughs> okay, let's continue. Is literally the word of God. He's of the exact same essence because he's a direct extension of God in the form of his word. And I know I keep saying, direct extension but that's literally the best way to describe it so when people say jesus is god in a way i understand what they're saying but not in the way that the trinity doctrine explains it 
Like for example, my words, when my words come out and I'm in no way comparing myself to God or Jesus, this is just the best example I can think of to use. The words coming out of my mouth right now, they are a direct extension of me. My words are me because they express what is going on in my mind. Look at that. I didn't even watch this video and she's about to use the analogy I used. The sad part is here's what she's doing though. She's forgetting that the analogy can't be exactly the same because you're finite. That's where she's. So what she's basically doing is she is making God into our image. God made us into his image. However, man sometimes thinks we know better and we turn around and try to make God in our image. Because what she's doing is saying the same thing I said. Jesus is the word and the word is the direct expression of the mind. Like I got you there. But she's denying biblical truths about who the son is because my mouth cannot be its own personhood. Well, yes, you're a finite human. Your mouth, your mouth is not its own personhood. And this is why JD and myself made it clear to emphasize the fact that when we use analogies, they can be used to draw comparisons in an S in a, in, a, in a sense to feel comfortable with something, but they are not meant to be, uh, uh, you know, a perfect parallel. They express my being, who I am, and my words have power. They can affect things positively or negatively. If I look at you and I say, you look amazing today. Honestly, I have never seen somebody glow as much as you do. That is going to affect you. But if I walk up to somebody and I say, you ugly, that's going to affect them. So think about it. If our words have that much power as human beings, the creations of God, how much more power do you think God's word has? I see you're on the right track there. How much more power? Likewise, if uh, 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 you know God is much bigger than us, right? <laughs> How much bigger do you think he is? Well, luckily, we don't have to guess. We don't have to imagine it. God wrapped his word in flesh to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. See, that's where the difference is, though, because she's saying God wrapped his word as if the word itself doesn't have a, a is it not personified. But Jesus says, I give myself up. What, what does Jesus say? I give myself up. He says, I, I will raise them up. He, he says, I, with a firm declarative authority in several situations. In fact, ready for this? I'm going to go ahead and, and put something on screen that is really going to uh, confront what she's saying. Again, it also feels like she's denying the, etern the, etern the eternal nature of the son. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our father by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is, talking about Jesus now, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. You see, in this description, it's not saying that he is just an expression of God. It's that he is the exact imprint of God's nature, but he still has a he about him. He upholds the universe. He holds firm things. He uh, is the salvation of the world. And if you go down in verse eight, we see the father speaking to the son. 
But of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. So the father calls the son God. And then he says, the scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So we see the father calling the son God while saying he's God because it's one God, three persons. I can't even wrap my mind around that level of love. God sent his word because his word can't fail. If God See what I tell you all about changing the gospel. We believe God sent his son, which is what she said. I can't imagine that kind of love. But what she did said, I can't imagine that kind of love because God sent his word. To me, that's not the same as sending your son. The intimate relationship with my son. Because giving up my word would be giving up myself. Giving up my son is giving up my son, right? Again, still finite because his word is himself. Regardless, though, it it's I know she's not doing anything on purpose, but we have to understand that people listen and trust things at face value, and that slight difference is not the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave up his son. Yes. The, the son is the word, but what makes it the gospel is that the father gives the son. God says, I am making a new covenant. My word, my son, I'm sending you to earth in flesh to be the ultimate sacrifice for my creation. His word will go forth. It can't fail. But the Trinity doctrine doesn't really state it like that. It doesn't state it like Jesus Christ is. I really would like to know where she's getting her Trinity doctrine facts here. I would love that. Obviously she doesn't need me to buy it for her. Cause I'm pretty sure she has money, but I would love for her to read this book because this will actually be a great book for her to understand. Because let's be honest, if she actually knew what the doctrine of the Trinity was, she might not be in this position because as we know, she has constantly, 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 represented it as a different thing is god's word a direct extension of god the father so is the holy spirit the holy spirit is of god it states that like god the father is just one of three okay no hey listen i don't know how people specifically christians are going to take this video but i just want you to hear me out consider what i'm saying okay i have recently Side note, to the people that are defending the fact that she's not teaching, pay attention to what she's saying, though, because she might not be teaching, but you see how she's sitting there saying, like, she's trying to bring revelation. Guys, this doesn't make sense. Guys, I just want you to hear what I'm saying. Guys, you should be thinking about this. Guys, it doesn't make sense. I get it. Again, I know she's not getting up purposely being like, this is authority, but she's not getting up in, a, in an innocent way. She's in front of hundreds of thousands of people making this very clear, like Trinity makes no sense. Trinity doesn't work. Guys, open your eyes while misrepresenting everything she's arguing about. Certainly been led, honestly, much stronger than I've been led to do many other things in my life to look into the Trinity doctrine. Basically, it's a doctrine in Christianity that teaches that
So here's what I'm going to do, because we're about to get off here in a second and hop over to TikTok for the after show. Um, after I finish all the stuff that I do tonight, that was the end of the video. Um, I'm going to make a video and I'm going to stitch her video and I'm going to do nine minutes and 59 seconds of me talking about the Trinity and trying to, you know, give her everything I can. And then I'm going to do a call of action to everyone that I know to tag her in the comment section and see if I can get a phone call with her. I don't want to do a public thing. I don't, I'm not trying to embarrass her, debate her, beat her, improve them smart, nothing. Is it, will it be possible for me to reach out there and have a conversation? Because Here's what I think. I think Melissa hit the nail on the head. It sounds like she was being misled with false ideas of what the Trinity is. The spirit is convicting her and she's actually more of a Trinitarian. If, if what she just described is her belief now and she described what she believes the Trinity is, she's actually more of a Trinitarian now than she was when she started the journey. So amen. However, just like we read in Acts of the Apostles, when oh, that is so crazy, Willie. Brother, I started saying it before you commented it. You literally just hit the nail on the head. We see Apollo's teaching, but he's teaching a little off. And Aquila and Priscilla pull him to the side and guide him with, uh, with instruction on how to be more sound in his doctrine. And he goes forward from there and, and dominates, right? Um, this is not reason. recent. Oh, I wonder why it's getting so blown up right now. Well, regardless... Uh, 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 I would like to know if, well, no, it's, I thought it was at the, I thought I saw it at the top of her page. I don't know. I, I, I wait, shouldn't I be able to see the date when I open it back up? Uh, I'll look into it when we finish this live stream. Um, regardless, I definitely want to, uh, uh, make sure that people understand. I'm going to send them to this YouTube. Someone asked what this book is. This is called the forgotten Trinity by Dr. James White. Uh, it's an incredible book and it's actually not a book for, um, debating the Trinity. He actually makes it clear that he didn't write this book so that you can go and debate people and prove them that you're wrong and, and prove how much you know about the Trinity. Instead, he wrote this so that you as a Christian can grow in, in, in comfort with knowing who God is. Because as he points out in here, the best thing that we can have is the knowledge of God. That's what, that's the riches of heaven. In Colossians chapter two, it actually says in Christ resides all the mysteries of heaven, the treasures and riches of heaven. And then in Colossians one, he prays for people to be uh, blessed with the knowledge and wisdom that is of God, right? In Jeremiah nine, it says, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the rich man boast, boast in his wealth, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows me and understands me. Uh, 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 in First John, it says, you know, that we are known by God. Throughout scripture, the greatest thing you could ever say is that you're known by God and that you know God. So in a little side note, in case you're not aware of this, the term pagan or pagan, depending on how you pronounce it, is, is a term that represents someone who worships an unknown God right? You, you have these altars, but you don't know the God's name. You're the God of the wind and all this stuff, right? A lot of gods were always these unknown gods because people create it and, and basically like, hmm, I think that's what God is. We know that God has revealed himself to us. We know him by name. He knows us by name. And great is the richness in that to say, I know God. And what better way to know God than to know what he reveals about himself and the Trinity is what he reveals about himself. This is why it's so important. I, I, I'll, I'll go to the final two hour mark just because there's some things I can add about the Trinity. Let me explain to you why I believe the Trinity is so crucial. 
Number one, the gospel is about the love of the father and the son. In John 17, when we read this, let me go to it real quick. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. The gospel is about the son glorifying the father and the father glorifying the son. And then we see that in the garden, he says, nevertheless, father, not my will, but your will. He went to the cross, not because he, not just because he loves us. Yes, he loves us and died for us, but he went to the cross for his father as an demonstration of humility and love to his father and the father loves the son so much that he gives him authority over everything and lets him be uh, uh the ruler and the holy spirit loves the father so much that he and the and loves jesus so much that he glorifies the son to glorify the father it is a perfect triune nature of love not only that the trinity allows god's attributes to be true you see one of the attributes that we know of god is that he's never changing the same yesterday today and tomorrow that's what the bible says if that is true, then I would need someone to explain to me how God's love is eternal because love by the biblical definition requires a target. It requires selflessness. It requires direction. It requires a focus. So if God is not triune, who did God love before the creation unless you want to say he depends on his creation's existence in order to demonstrate his most well-known attribute, which is said to be eternal. And he relies on us to exist because if we stop existing, he would stop and cease loving. That's not God. That's not God. God is eternal. He loves eternally. And then the final thing I want to throw out there is just look at the creation. Someone mentioned it. Let us make man in our image. But I really want you to think deep about what happens after that. Adam is created. And then God says, it is not good that man is alone. Up until this point, God said, it is good. It is good. It is good every single day. And then he ends the creation account saying, it is very good. There was no sin yet in the world. There was no corruption and everything was perfect. And before sin entered creation, he looked upon man and said, it is not good that he is alone. The triune God who exists co-eternally and in unity as three persons, looks upon his creation made in his image and says it's not good that he is alone so he pulls the rib from adam so the rib proceeds from adam the woman proceeds from adam likewise the holy spirit proceeds from the father and the father begat the son through the power of the holy spirit and a man comes together with a wife and has a child and they have a son so when you even look at what god created in the garden in his image it is triune in nature Because the triune God understands it is not good that he is alone. What is the wife called? What is Eve called? I will make for you a helper. What does Jesus say the Holy Spirit is? A helper. So the father is made in the image of the father. The wife is made in the image of the spirit. The child is made in the image of the son. This is not authority, by the way. I'm just I'm showing you how you can see the triune nature in everything. So when we are made in, he said, let us make them in our image. Adam, Eve, reproduction. Because who's the, who's the seed of Eve? Jesus. Genesis 3, 
her seed will crush your head. So with all that being said, guys, I'm going to go ahead and hop over on TikTok. We're going to go ahead and end this episode. We went a little bit behind the, the normal time. Uh, yo, need a $13 for free shipping. Any other books? Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're interested in uh, the Protestant Reformation, I really highly recommend this book right here. Uh, literally called uh, The Protestant Reformation by Hans J. Hillerbrand. It is a collection of all types of documents that existed during the Protestant Reformation. Um, if you want... Uh, 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 uh. Oh, my leg. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, my leg just cramped up. Um, but, okay. I got to head out. I'm going over to, like I said, uh, 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 to, uh, to TikTok uh, to do a little after show. Anybody that's got clarification or anything like that. Uh, but I need to end this episode because of time constraints. So as always, guys, I appreciate you being here. And in fact, I'm going to end this with a prayer, especially for that young lady, uh, uh, China, because even though some are saying the video is old, we have no idea where they are at today, where she is at today and where her mind is at. And since we were discussing her, we got to stay true to what I've said to you guys. I can't expect you to do something that I don't. What did I tell you all? We should talk about people the way we pray about them. And if you ain't praying about them, you shouldn't talk about them. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together in fellowship digitally. Uh, what an amazing blessing that is that despite the fact that some of us might not have people around us or close to us, we never feel alone and we can know that our brothers and sisters are out there of like mind, of same mind, that are pursuing you, that we can join the race with. Father, I glorify you, I praise you, and I worship you before I ask of anything. Father, tonight we discussed one of your children as she goes down a pathway of trying to understand you. And Father, I pray for you to unlock your wisdom to her and give her knowledge and information. I don't know where she stands with you at this moment. I don't know where she is with her knowledge, but I pray that you speak to her, that you walk with her, that you guide her if she is not yet where she needs to be, that you use her with her platform and you use her with, with her passion and, and, and keep her straight and in, in, in on the path of knowledge and not veering off to her own understanding and her own thoughts. And Father, I pray for everyone that's listening, all those that aren't listening, and everyone in the body of Christ, along with all of our husbands, wives, sisters, cousins, aunts, brothers, everything. I pray for all of them. In Jesus' holy and amazing name. Amen. Guys, I love you all. I catch you, I'll catch you all later. Don't forget, Friday, 8, 8 a.m., we premiere episode three of the Bible reading, which I believe episode three means we're diving into Abraham. We should be at Abraham, I think. Oh, man, we're 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 ahead of y'all. Uh, but uh, make sure you guys tune in for that. Every Friday, 8 a.m., we release our Bible reading as we go through Genesis all the way to Revelation. So if you struggle reading the Bible, make sure you join in with us. The first two episodes are available right now. That's four hours of reading uh, the Bible with us. And I promise you, we make it fun. We don't want to be monotone. We don't want to sit there and be like, in the beginning, God created. No, we're laughing. We're having fun. But we're also diving deep into the scriptures. If you're new here, because we did have a bunch of people tuning in tonight, we go live every Monday and Wednesday, 9 p.m. Central. The live stream is available immediately after this ends, and it is available for audio on Spotify in about within the next 24 hours of the episode. Uh, with that being said, though, for those that I will see on TikTok, I'll see you soon. And for those that I won't see, God bless and go in peace. Mm -hmm.